Hey, Collaborist, I'm Ben Leroy. And I'm Jason Buckholtz. And you're listening to Collaboracast. How's it going, Jay? Doing all right. We are in our second calendar year of this here endeavor. We are creeping up on one year of Collaboracast, and I am very excited and very thankful for both the fact that you and I have done it and that people are listening and watching. So thank you, listeners and watchers. As am I. And this is uh, the the anniversary of our, this is the, the Collaborist birthday. This was a, a, a 1-1-22 endeavor. Mm-hmm. And um, so here we are, a year and three days old. Ready and, for uh, everything. Yep. In Still. business years, I think that makes us like a 25-year-old. So we are full of energy. We know everything. We got all the answers. We are ready to go out into the world. A couple scars, a couple dings, but yep. um, yeah, still still ready to party. Yep. <laughs> Not really too serious yet, clearly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Which maybe we can maybe we can find a way to keep it that way forever and ever. Uh, I want to flip things a little bit here. Here for January we're having downright balmy weather it's in the mid 30s after we had a particularly nasty cold few days a few weeks ago around the time of our last recording it is now snow is melted it's in the 30s it's gray it's overcast but in my youth 30 degree days in january would have been quite a luxury and i've got them for as far as the 10-day forecast shows but as a person who turns into the news every now and then, it sounds like you've got a much more remarkable forecast and, and weather report. We do indeed. We are sitting right at the mouth of an atmospheric river um, and or a bomb cyclone. I just these are just buzzwords that <laughs> these are hashtags. I played uh, bass in atmospheric river. Uh, <laughs> I was the keyboardist for bomb cyclone. <laughs> Exactly. So, um, yeah, we are in a couple of hours here. We're supposed to have the beginning of the second of two very significant storms. First one was over this last weekend and there was flooding in San Francisco, people paddle boarding in the streets of San Francisco. Um, I was up in Sonoma County where I grew up for New Year's and uh, visiting the Russian River, which is uh, not at flood stage yet, but was much higher than I've seen it in in recent memory. And I'm pretty plugged into these things as a kayaker. I've I've kayaked on that river a number of times and in the areas. And so I'm I'm kind of more aware than the next guy of of the exact levels of the river because Sometimes you get stuck in your kayak when the river's too shallow and you have to get up and drag it. And that's not much fun. Um, other rivers that have, I, I talked about Wildcat Creek right here, just up, up, um, it's about a half mile from where I live. And, and it's went to go visit that. It's just absolutely, it's a river now. And how was it a couple weeks ago? A trickle. It's gone a month ago. It was dry. There was nothing at all. And then it turned into a bit of a trickle, uh, which I posted on our Instagram. I, we talked about it on a podcast and I had a video of it. So I put the video on Instagram and now it's, I have another video I'll put up of, of the stage. Now this is, 
This is all your uh, all your literary uh, book and writing needs and hydrology reports and river river and, and NorCal river level reports. You know, it's one stop shopping for the very, very niche audience, very specific customer. <laughs> but um, yeah, so Wildcat Creek uh, video report to come uh, via Instagram. But it's all it's all very interesting to me because the opening of my novel, A Paper Sun, which was published by my very fine friend and partner, Benjamin Leroy, a.k.a. you, um, it opens in January. It opens at just at this time of year, just as schools are getting back in session. Most schools went back to school yesterday. Um, it begins on the first day of school back after a winter break and it begins with san francisco bracing itself for a gigantic rainstorm which is coming in um that was a a storm coming down from alaska this one is is warmer it's coming from more the hawaii vector um i probably just used that word completely wrong i know um but it <laughs> coming so this is the, the a pineapple express so there's there's another buzzword you know with our our atmospheric river bomb cyclone pineapple express meaning it's a very wet very uh, a warmer storm um with tons of wind so i think that they're saying that the real problem is going to be trees falling over and and uh power going out power lines stuff like that but um it's been really kind of a surreal experience to watch the news and think about this incoming storm because this is, so I'm going to read this paragraph. This yeah. Is, I, I, I asked uh, if you would read the opening cause I too felt like this was very much your book, which was published now seven years ago. So it's, it's been a while. It has lucky seven. Um, yeah. And I appreciate your your attempts to to frame me as modest, but I was going to read this anyway. Okay. <laughs> so this is uh, the very first line uh, is first I saw him in a teacup and then there's a section break. And then this is the next paragraph. Start from the top with the first in the teacup and just just now that you've given the explanation, now just read it in in speed. All right. One. First, I saw him in a teacup. It was the day before the storm hit, the storm we'd been watching on newscast Doppler as it approached from Alaska, devouring the coast like a carnivorous planet made of teeth and ice and smoke. The weather persons pointed to it, their expressions mixes of glee and trepidation, their predictions heavy with superlatives, italics, underlining. The storm had formed in the Arctic over Siberia and had lurched eastward, devastating docks, leveling marinas, sending grapefruit-sized hailstones through windshields. Bering sea waves had knocked some of the lesser islands in the Aleutian archipelago from their moorings and sent them tumbling southeast through sea foam, piling their igneous ruins along the British Columbian coast along with uprooted trees, demolished fishing boats, polar bear carcasses. This same fury would soon be upon us, blotting out the sun, stealing whole chunks of the peninsula out from under us, but not yet. So that is what these meteorologists are doing. They're I just I keep thinking about that line. They're 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 predictions full of superlatives, and they they look so 
invigorated by having something major to talk about. Um, and there are there was video this last weekend of mudslides in San Francisco, things washing away near Ocean Beach. There's there's uh, the famous Cliff House, which just recently closed, didn't make it through the pandemic. But this is a San Francisco institution. And it sits on a cliff overlooking Ocean Beach. And then behind it is another cliff. And that cliff started washing away. And the whole road there is shut down. Or at least it was a couple of days ago. It's probably reopened by now. But it's going to happen again with this next one coming in. Um, so it's just, it's yeah, it's 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 remarkable what's happening and um, and dangerous. There's There are... You know, a lot of people who are so a lot of footage of of flooded homes, people having to evacuate. There are counties uh, in different places with low lying, low lying seaside counties where they've evacuated. Um, I drove through flooded roads, uh, you know, not severely flooded. There was footage of people driving around in San Francisco with their wheels completely underwater with, you know, water levels up to the tops of their their wheel wells, which you should not do. I yeah, absolutely. Are... <laughs> do not do that. Don't do it for the clout. Don't do it for the social media clicks. Like it becomes a very bad situation very fast. Yeah. Back up, go around. And they're saying they're asking people between two and nine today to just not go anywhere. Don't travel. I'm going to go out and get some groceries, but uh, I'm I'm not too concerned about creating a burden on emergency, emergency personnel in this particular area. But um Back yes. in 2005, I guess it was, I was driving uh, through Vermont on the way to Maine, and I was driving up the side of a mountain, and it was raining this kind of rain. It was like a biblical rain. And I was listening to public radio, and they had tornado and flood watches and warnings for whatever counties but because I wasn't from the area, that didn't help me because I didn't know what county I was in. But it was the most white knuckle driving that I've done. But it came down the mountain and went across this very tiny bridge that was going across a river. And the water was just starting to like hit the bottom of the bridge and it was just coming down. And I remember going across and being like, this is really, this doesn't feel like a good idea. And I got to the other side. It wasn't a big bridge, but I got to the other side, drove a little bit longer and then pulled over for the day in a hotel and was watching the news. And that exact bridge had washed out not more than like a half hour, an hour after I had gone across it. And I was like, yeah, you just, Nature, when nature wants to get powerful, your car is no longer a big thing. It is no longer uh, a dominating thing. Like nature is just magnitudes more powerful. So, um, yeah, if you see flood flooding streets, standing water, don't don't drive into that. It's a it's a very quick recipe for bad things. Doesn't take more than a foot or two to to send your car floating away, and then. And then all kinds of people have to go and drop what they're doing and go go help your misguided decision-making self. Absolutely. I think that I am able to come up with an absolutely magical transition from that subject 
to the next. I'm just going to do the seamless segue into no people one will ever love see it coming. <laughs> people people do love to report on disasters and spectacle and things that we don't see every day. And just a little bit before we started recording this episode, I was on Twitter and I saw this story about an author who had allegedly died two years ago. And there was some, I'm, I'm intentionally not getting into great detail because I don't know the detail. I'm just discussing what I was reading and reported. But two years ago, this author allegedly passed away by suicide. And then the author's daughter appeared and said that the author had been working on a book that was going to be given to her daughter as a wedding gift. And here's a link to buy the book. Well, now it's two years later, and it turns out that that author is not dead, did not die. And what it appears as though is that this was a very ill-conceived marketing effort to sell a book. I cannot state that if I have this even mostly correct in my assessment and my recap, how gross that is. It also would indicate to me that someone was probably dealing with some mental health issues if they thought that this was an okay thing. So I still have compassion. Uh, but I will say that seeing that just sort of reminded me of how many bad ideas seem to find their way into the public marketplace to promote books, to promote anything, but I've just been around books for so long. And the bad behavior that comes from that and that people who are desperate to be heard, to be read, to make money, they will come up with some wild ideas as far as how to sell books. And Jason and I will do an episode at some point in the future about how you can really do the right things to assist your publisher or if you are self-published to get the word out about your book. But I am confident when I say that more than a dozen authors have significantly influenced in a negative way their ability to sell books. And they've done that because they have gone to some wild stunt to attract attention with the idea that it's like attract attention plus question mark equals lots of money. Like that question mark, that that missing part, the variable there, that's a really important part of it. So do not be bullying people. Do not lie about who you are or who you know or uh, make up any sort of details that you think will be helpful in you selling more books because the truth will come out sooner or later 
And when it does, all of your credibility is gone and no one's going to take you seriously. This applies to both authors and I've seen publishers engage in this bad behavior. So just also people running for Congress, I would say. Also, also <laughs> people, also people running for Congress. Don't who fabricate also were, your life. <laughs> your we're bad. also the first people on the moon who were the first people to swing it, swim across the English Channel. Like, yeah, whatever, just make up a detail and sure, it'll life. be fine. Get you your votes. Uh, yeah. th these are very short-sighted. If if there's one thing that you and I are in agreement about in regards to this industry and this craft is that it, it, things take a long time. This is a this is a slow moving industry. The I've often told the people I work with that the, to appreciate the fact that it can take just as long, if not longer, to write an excellent novel than it takes to build a skyscraper. I mean, these are these are significant human endeavors. And when you think about the career trajectory of an author, somebody who is planning to spend the rest of their lives writing many books that they are hoping will be well-received, well-reviewed, um, treasured by their readers, passed along, passed around, um, you got to think about the long term. You got to think about okay, well, what happens after that? And what happens after that? What's the five year? What's the five? What's the 10 year? So a, a stunt like this, you might have some short term excitement with it. But then what happens after that? People are going to be talking about you for all the wrong reasons. Um, just like with Mr. Santos, I don't think I'm I don't think I'm letting politics creep into our our podcast here yeah uh, I, I think there are very he has very few defenders um i don't nobody came up to speak to him yesterday um, yeah. on his first day on the job i think there was one guy who came up and then as soon as he realized who he was he turned around and bolted everybody else just avoided him like the plague on there was there was some more footage party there was some more footage of him today kind of gathered on the outskirts of a group and absolutely nobody was giving him any attention and why would they? Why should they? Yeah. yeah. No, he wouldn't he didn't want to have anything to do with that. He's a complete pariah and deservedly so. So uh, maybe I do I want to emphasize that there, you know, there could be a mental illness component here too. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, this is extraordinary. It's unprecedented. Um, you know, to 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 talk about your mother dying in two completely completely separate unrelated events is that that's not these are not things that somebody does when they're really functioning the way that they should be yeah and and this author that we're talking about i suspect that the motivation for again I don't. I only heard about this story from you, so I'm speaking. Uh, if, if if for you it's secondary research, for me it's tertiary. It's it's, but broadly speaking and generally speaking, I I, I have to think that book sales was not the motivation. That there were lots of things going on in this author's life that led them to think that this was somehow going to be an answer for some of these problems. Yeah maybe maybe the book sales were one of a number of things that that she was hoping for or or you know who knows who knows it's just complete speculation but these are not decisions that are are 
you know, if you, it, yeah, I just, I just, I just wanted to, to talk about the mental illness that is likely behind some of these decisions and, and how serious that is and that, and, and to assure people that we don't take that lightly. We don't. And perhaps we can talk about it in a future episode. Obviously, neither one of us is professionally trained as a mental health therapist, but um, all humans have some experience with mental health issues, either within themselves or loved ones. And it is an important conversation for me, I think, especially around creatives and art and how writing can be a helpful tool, but also can probably contribute to things. Uh, in my capacity as Segway Master, I would say that perhaps Mr. Santos um, might decide that moving forward, lying is not the best course of action, and that perhaps he could make a New Year's resolution of this, and that can get us into a larger discussion of, hey, writers, hey, collaborists, it's New Year's, it's a new year, do you have any resolutions about what you plan on doing in 2023 as far as writing goes? Is there a whole project that you're going to get done? Do you have a routine that you want to stick to? I want to ask my esteemed colleague, Mr. Buckholtz, where are you on the resolution issue? I I don't put a whole lot of salt in resolutions because I think that there are... It, the calendar is kind of arbitrary though. It's you're only going to make changes if you're really feeling them deep down. And the fact that we changed a digit on the calendar is not really going to create deep down motivation. However, that said, I am, I do think it's important to take this, at least for me, I'm not saying that this is important for all people to do, but I think that there is a component of, the calendar of the new year that it's a good time to to reflect and take some inventory and think about things that are working and things that are not working and for me i what's not working is the when i have an opportunity to pick up my phone versus pick up a book i i'm not happy with the amount the number of times that i choose to pick up my phone um, so I'm going to leave more books around in more places so that when I want that, just like, I want to zone out for a few minutes, I'm going to, I'm going to read instead of scrolling. Um, I, for my own writing routines, I have kind of more recently am looking for, I, I don't, I don't do a lot of planning in terms of page count, page numbers, pages. Right now I'm mostly doing revisions. I'm doing this final pass through my novel. And some of it has been really sticky. I just got there. I've been talking for a couple of months now about this incredibly intricate scene that I've really been grappling with. And I finally got through that. And I, I the thing that I've been found finding useful for me is to just set aside time. And just say, okay, I know at some point tonight, I'm going to spend 45 minutes. Or I'm going to spend an hour. It doesn't have to be a lot of time for me. Um, and even if I, like last night, I had, uh, I had, it was judo night. I got back. I didn't, I didn't get done with dinner until like 940 or something. And so I didn't, I didn't have a lot of time in the evening. But I said, all right, I'm going to take until, 
I'm going to take 45 minutes. I'm going to go till 1030. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to dive into my manuscript. And it doesn't matter how much I do. It doesn't matter how many pages I get through. I'm just going to take this time and I'm going to, to focus on it. And I did it. And so for me, I'm finding that that works better. Did I just find a chunk of time? So I'm going to dedicate this time to that. So I'm going to, I'm going to do more of that. And I'm going to, I just, I need to read more. I just, I, I, it's, it's, I'm kind of embarrassed to say it, but it's not something that I I do anywhere near as much as I feel that I should be doing and that I want to be doing. It's like, I really love it. Like I'm, when I do pick up a book and I have some time set aside, I'm like, God, why am I not doing this all the time? I feel so much better than I do after a half an hour of reading than a half an hour of doom scrolling. It's like, why can't I figure that out before I pick up the thing that I'm going to be doing for that next half hour? So I'm putting this out there. I'm I'm verbalizing it. I'm putting it into the universe that uh, I'm going to reach for books more than more than my phone. What about you? Well, perhaps as an accountability check, in addition to the weather, we can just make a quick little reference to what it is we're reading at at the beginning of every episode, so that we can we can be held accountable. And if we say the same book title for 25 weeks in a row, people can know that we need to be held more accountable. That's a great idea. Let's start right now. What are you okay. reading? And that includes you, Collaborist. You let us know what you're reading. Uh, drop, drop that in the comments on YouTube. Tell us what you're reading. Tell us how far along you are. Tell us how much you like it, et cetera. Whatever you want to include. include. Absolutely. And in the same way that we plug independent bookstores. Today's being the City Lights, again, City Lights. Today. Um, We are all, if you, there's a book that you love, if you want to... You know, put it put it in the notes. Let us know. We are we got a couple of requests this last week for things to cover in this podcast, and I don't think that we've ever had a request that we haven't responded to in one way or another. And to the people that sent those in, thank you very much. And yes, we will absolutely address, um, talk about your ideas, address the things that you've you've said. And in, in the same way, we would love to hear what you're reading. We'd love to hear uh, about authors we don't know about. Um, anybody you want to plug so um yeah what are you reading what am i reading at this point um i'm reading a a book called from strength to strength and i'm listening to the audiobook um and it's just kind of very generally speaking about how at some point in our life we go from being really good and passionate about one thing to recognizing that maybe we need to evolve and be good and passionate about something else. And as a dude who is slogging through the molasses of middle age and having to just know who I've been historically and what I've been known for internally and externally and what has given me joy and enthusiasm and a zest for life, and being able to acknowledge, like, maybe that's not the same thing that it once was. And if it's not that, then what is it? And how do I do that? And how do I engage in that? And how do I be good and productive in the world? And I don't mean on a nine to five, like, how many widgets did I create? But like, how do you leave? How do you leave the place behind a little bit better than when you got there? And so um, I would say that I probably care a little bit more about resolutions um, than you do, but I also acknowledge that it's an arbitrary calendar date 
And for me, it's just an opportunity to stop, take inventory of where I am, what's working, what's not, what's in my power to change, what I want for the world, how can I help manifest that, even if it's just on an individual basis. But as far as like, I'm going to make sure that every day I sit down and write for an hour and I'm just going to do that. every. I, I don't, I don't do stuff like that. That's not for me. And I'm okay with that. And I, I'm sure I've tried in the past, but it's just not a functioning thing that I do. Um, but I would love to hear from other people. And I would love to know what's worked for them and what doesn't work for them. And I totally allow that some people could have the discipline to make a resolution and stick to it. It's just, I'm not one of them. Well, for my... I see it. I see it. For my reading accountability... I'm uh, reading The Overstory by Richard Powers. I'm about halfway through it. It's extraordinary. So gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Uh, my dear friend Anita shared that book with me a few years ago, and the writing is so gorgeous in there. Yeah, and the storytelling is, and again, I'm only halfway through, but I'm I'm blown away by the vision and the scope of it. And also the themes and the focus i guess is these are these are themes and focuses that are are near and dear to to my heart um i always have a ton of books going on at once and that's probably why i have so much trouble finishing any or why it takes me so long to actually finish any one in particular so i'm just going to i think that i'm going to try to be a little more streamlined in my reading and just try to focus on one at a time and really get like i did when i was a kid you just get completely engrossed in a novel and then let the let the world of it sweep you away that said i do uh have am listening to an audiobook at the same time and i am listening to the persuaders um by anand Giridharadas is my best attempt at his last name, um, which is nonfiction. Uh, at the Persuaders at the front line of the fight for hearts, minds, and democracy, which is also an extraordinary work. Yeah, um, so I too are, am reading or listening to that one. So that's that's all right. So the overstory, and uh, I hope to not have to be. I yeah, I think this is a good. I think this is a good project. Okay. Well, why don't we, uh, unless you have anything more, let people get to their resolutions and let you batten down the hatches for whatever rain is coming. And we'll see everybody next week. Do you have anything else, Mr. Buckles? That'll do. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this podcast, please remember to rate and review it wherever you get them. If you're watching on YouTube, feel free to hit the comments and uh, subscribe. Do all of those things. We have... I believe we have a good race going between Instagram subscribers and YouTube subscribers. So I don't know, Team YouTube, I think you can pull it off. But we do have an evergreen Instagram reel that seems to keep bringing in people that I am impressed with it sticking around at power. And that, I believe, is it. For story.
or community flooding express pineapples something something polar vortex <laughs>